Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Travis, won't you, Travis, won't you come up here? Um, there's a number of reasons um, that we, uh, we, not one person preaches every week. Uh, one of those reasons is because we want to be a multiplying church that plants other churches, and this is a way to do that. Second reason is that, um, that if, I, if I'm preaching every week, there's very little space for me to make sure that what is being preached is actually being applied in my own inner world. Um, and that's a high value for us. Um, and then also it models team because there are certain gifts that you will only experience through the ministry of other people. And so we're going to experience that through Travis. I'm going to pray for him and you're just going to go for it, bro. Father, thank you uh, for the gifts that you have given this community. But more importantly, thank you for the gift of your word. Uh, thank you that it is powerful. Uh, thank you that it separates soul from spirit. Thank you that every time we open it with a posture of humility, um, you come not only to encourage, but to build up and to challenge. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would equip Travis and that you would also um, anoint us with a, uh, a tender posture to your word. Father, we are here because we want to hear your voice and we want to be changed more into the image of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Good evening, guys. For those tuning in, hello. I'm Travis. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I hope you all had a great 4th of July. Hannah and I watched um, Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Lots of fun. I asked Hannah if I should sing a, a number from that, but she said, uh, no, she said I'm too white for that, so I'll, just, I'll, save that, I'll save that for home. Anyways, welcome, guys. Um, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Ruth. Um, we're going to be picking up where we left off last week. And needless to say, for many of us, to say that 2020 has been a whirlwind of a year would be an understatement. To say that it's been probably for many of us, the, the toughest year of our life would be the understatement of the century so far. For many of us, this year has pushed us to our limits. It's pushed us past what we thought we were able to handle, and we've seen things happen that we never thought would happen. And there's no sense in trying to ignore it, try to say, well, you know, it's, it is what it is. I'll just press, I'll brush past this. Yeah, I know vacations were canceled. I know I can't do, I can't go outside. I know I have to wear a mask to church. I know that maybe I'm doing things that feel uncomfortable, but it, it's okay. The reality is, no, it's, it's been difficult, and we do ourselves no service by not acknowledging that. There's something that even in the midst of it, it, we need to be able to acknowledge this has been a really tough year. And if I'm honest for myself, that's often where I find myself is, is not being aware and being present to my own emotions, not being present to the things going on inside of me. And I find that over time, these, these minor things add up and my heart becomes hardened. I become more angry and I find that I have a root of bitterness inside of me. I find that I'm bitter towards my situations. I'm bitter towards the things around me. And, and this is where we meet Naomi, is tragedy after tragedy. As Nick reminded us last week, we, we encounter a woman who, who in the time of the judges, in the time of very dark part in Israel's history, um, is, is there's a famine in the land, and her and her husband and her two sons move to Moab. They move to a nation that were an enemy of her people, as Nick reminded us last week, and, they, and she experienced tragedy after tragedy. Her husband dies. Her sons die. And now she is completely desolate. She has no one to provide for her. She's completely on her own. 
And that's where we're going to meet Naomi this morning. And I think as, as this is a very short story. In, the, in this book in general, the, the whole point isn't necessarily to focus in on Naomi's bitterness. But I think by looking at her bitterness, there's some things we can learn about our own heart. There's some things we can learn about maybe our own bitterness in the season. And so many of you possibly have been reading through Ruth. It's a very short book. If you haven't already, I encourage you to, to read through it this week. It's exciting. There's, it's all kinds of twists and turns. It's probably a lot better than a lot of like dramas on Netflix anyways. So go ahead and, and check it out. But, but please bear with us as maybe we, we take a glimpse into a very short part of the story and explore what might be going on in Naomi's heart. And we're going to see as we do that, that there are these, there's these misunderstandings we carry, misunderstandings about, our, about um, the world around us, misunderstandings about God and the way he operates, misunderstandings about the story we find ourselves in, and misunderstandings about our own interior life, that when we encounter situations, when we encounter the reality that is 2020, can lead us, put us in a position to form a bitter heart, to form a hardened heart towards others, towards God, um, and towards just our own interior life. Uh, so, so go ahead. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to dive into the scripture. God, I thank you that you are the one who softens hearts. I thank you that as we turn towards you, you can soften our hearts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you soften our hearts now? Would you open our ears, ears to hear what you have to say? And I thank you that you are king, that you are above all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Ruth 1, 19. So the two of them, that is Naomi and Ruth, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So the first thing that we notice that I mentioned earlier is that when we misunderstand how God operates in the world or the primary way he is operating in the world, we are at danger of forming a bittered heart as we encounter these tough situations. And so in our current cultural moment, as well as throughout histories, and for sure Naomi, when they encountered, um, when they encountered hardship, when these things were happening, the, the common understanding would be that I must have done something that God would be mad at me. I must have done some sort of an action or not done something that now I am in the situation where things are not going well for me. There's just this understanding that the core principle that God must be operating or the gods that are, are worshipped must be operating on a sense of only justice, that it's only about doing what seems to be right so that all things go according to plan. And within scripture, we see that that is not always the case, that we live, as we'll talk about when we get to the story, we live in an age where things aren't as they should be, where things are always as black and white, where there, it, there are principles of wisdom. There's the reality of the righteous and the unrighteous, but things don't always pan out the way they should. And within scripture, although Naomi, like I said before, we're not diving into her bitterness, we encounter a story of a man named Job where the whole story begins to unpack this. The whole story unfolds with this man who is upright, who is righteous, and yet disaster befalls him, who has done things right, who loves the Lord, who worships him, and yet things don't go as planned. And we find that if we hold this image that it must be A plus B equals C, that if I just do this and I do that, then things will always go well for me, that we'll see that the world unfortunately isn't like that. 
that it would be nice if it was, but it isn't. But rather, we see that God operates a bit differently. We see that he operates primarily out of a posture of wisdom, that he invites us to trust him instead, that he is a God who cares about justice. He is a God who cares about these things, but he invites us simply to to put our trust into him first. As the Old Testament um, theologian John Walton puts it, in truth, we'll never be able to be in a position to evaluate God's justice. In order to appraise the justice of a decision, we must have all the facts, for justice can be derailed if we do not have all the information. Because we never have all the information about our own lives, we cannot judge God when he brings experiences to us or makes claims and demands. We cannot reach an affirmation about God's justice through our own limited insight or experiences. Rather, we affirm his justice by faith directed towards his wisdom. So what is he saying here? He's saying the reality is if we just, as Job, comes to God and he says, why is this happening to me? God instead says to Job, you don't necessarily know everything. I am the God who has created everything. Trust me first. Trust me that I am good, that I, I, I am wise, that I love you, that I desire good for you. And trust that as you follow me, that as you get to know me more by faith, you can see how I am just in this current age. You can see how I am moving and interacting with this world. The fact that we want justice is not a bad thing. We often just want it apart from God. We often want to just have justice on our own terms and then separate the God who is just, the God who is righteous from the justice that he desires. And and we'll talk more about that as we go throughout the series is then what is our response to those who are desolate, but we won't go into that tonight. But the reality is, because of sin, because of the chaos and disorder in this age, the real consequences of that mean that things don't always pan out the way they should. When, and we see this in the life of Jesus. When Jesus heals a man who was born blind, the Pharisees ask, well, who sinned? Who did it? Was it his mom? Was it his dad? Was maybe his grandparents? And Jesus rather turns and says, well, no, you guys aren't understanding what God is up to. We, when we misunderstand that, and then we encounter events in the world, then we can find ourselves being like Naomi, who had all rights to be upset. Who there's, Of course she's going to be upset, and it's good, as we'll talk about with the interior life, to recognize those things. But we might find ourselves saying, God has cursed me, I have done something wrong, and I am cursed, and simply move into a position of having a hardened heart. So then we might be prone to ask questions like, why is the coronavirus happening? Why are these things here? And God, God can answer those if he desires to, but his first, his first sort of answer is saying, trust me. Trust that I am good, that I am kind. And as Nick says, reminded us last week, instead of asking questions about why this is happening, rather, God, what are you doing in and through this, in me, in your church, in this world? How can we reach out to those? How can we partner with you? So then we've seen that when we misunderstand how God operates, we can lead to, it can lead to a hardened heart. But then the question is, what is this God? What is this story? You're asking me to trust God, Travis, that's a good thing, but how do I know that he is good? And that leads us to the second point. When we misunderstand the story we find ourselves in, we are at danger of also forming a hardened heart, of forming a bittered heart when we encounter suffering in the world. And it is important then, as I said before, when you, when you ask, like, how can I trust this God? How can I know that he is good? Well, the reality is we as people ask questions about our world. We're a story. We're, we like stories. And that doesn't, I'm not trying to say that, you know, that means that everything we read didn't happen in history and it's just all made up. No, rather, we hold these questions. Who am I? 
Why am I here? What is the purpose of all this? What is going on? We ask ourselves these questions, and we look to things to answer them. We see that within, within, the, within the media, within politics, whether whatever side you're on, there's certain frameworks of why things are the way they are that lead us to where we are today. And the same is true for those who are, like all of us, we have a story that we're holding to, and oftentimes when that story is not in line with Scripture, with the story we see throughout all of Scripture, we find that then we encounter things in the world, and we don't see them through a lens that's helpful for us. It can be, can be harmful for us. And there's lots of different images that people use, and, and again, we're not going to have time to dive into all of these points tonight, but one thing that's been helpful for me to see sort of the general broad movement of Scripture is this whole idea of, of, of a symphony, where you have this beautiful piece of orchestral music, and within it, it's made up of different movements, different smaller pieces of music that all work together, that all carry a theme throughout the piece of music, and yet they're all distinct. And so this image that we see will, would be, for example, in movement one, we'd see creation and fall, where we encounter a good creator, a good triune God who is deeply loving towards his creation, who has invited humanity to partner with him, created humanity in his own image, and given them a vocation and a calling to partner with him. But as, he, as we see early on, humans choose to do things and they define good and evil on their own terms. And that separates humanity from God and begins to put us on a cycle of death and destruction, turning away, chaos, sin, disorder, murder. Dis we see that all up through like the first part of Genesis through Genesis 11, this repeating of failure in humanity, just this, this building up of sin within this creation. And yet we go into movement to Israel where God chooses a family to say, I will make a name for myself through you. I will unleash blessing to the nations because now we have a problem for humanity that is now separated from God. I will bring humanity back to myself through you. And through the rest of the Old Testament, we see that story unfold as God enters into a covenant with his family where we see his promises and his purposes unfold through throughout creation. Yet humanity still, there's a problem within us that we choose to define good and evil on our own terms that Israel turns away, ultimately leading them into exile. But there are still promises. There is still hope. There is hope that there will, be, uh, there will be a representative that will fulfill all of these things. And that leads us into Jesus, movement three, who is fully God, who is fully man, bringing together these plot lines, bringing all things into completion and making it possible through his life, death, and resurrection for us to be reconciled to God, for us to have forgiveness of our sins, to be restored to what God intends for us, to be made new creations through the power of the Spirit. And then finally, where we find ourselves now is now in this movement for, and, and this is all going somewhere. I'll get us there why this now applies to Naomi, don't worry. But we see movement four that we're like, this church starting with the early church leading up to now, where as the Holy Spirit has, has filled those who follow Jesus and is empowering them to fulfill his mission of advancing the kingdom throughout all of, the, all of creation, looking ahead to know that there will come a day when Jesus returns, and finally, movement five, we see new creation. So why do I mention this? Why do I take time to do this? Because that's sort of the story on a very big, you know, 30,000-foot level we find ourselves in, where we're now in this movement four, that, that Naomi found herself in this movement two. So that as I encounter the world, I now, I'm now in a position to say, I have the story of how God has interacted with his creation. I have the story of God's people, of what he's done in movements one, two, and three, and I know what comes ahead. I know the end of the story so that I can have hope. 
so that when I encounter a world of chaos, that as Priscilla said, there's so much change, there's so much unknown, that it is chaotic, I can still stop and say, God, I know you are good. I know how you have been good towards your creation. I know what you will accomplish. And although that may mean there's tension, there still is unknowns of maybe what you might be up to, I can still trust that you are good. And this is a lifelong process of learning this, being reminded. We need to remind one another of these things too because it's so easy to forget. Uh, We need to remember who we are then in Jesus. So then our, our questions turn from like, what, why is this going on to say, well, how then should I or how we at the church should respond? Holy Spirit, what are you up to? What do you want to do in this moment? And as we reflect upon this subplot, it begins, the Holy Spirit begins to transform our own hearts so that the story that we have to understand why are we here, who am I, what is God doing, is now connected to the story of how God has interacted with his creation and how he wants to fulfill that. And that can help give us hope like for Naomi, where she finds herself to say, I've experienced this tragedy. There is chaos. There is unknown. But I know the God. I know that I worship a God who brought his people out of Egypt. I know that he's the one who has set us free of slavery, and I can trust him. So then with that, and this is where I find myself, is, is often um, I, can, I can know sort of and unpack, okay, God is wise. He's inviting me to trust his wisdom. I can kind of start to get that. That's cool. But, and I can understand maybe sort of the story of Scripture, what God is up to. Okay, that's sort of making sense. I have a lot to learn with that. But oftentimes where I find myself is I misunderstand what's going on inside of me. I misunderstand my own interior life, my own emotions. When we misunderstand that internal life, that interior life, we're at danger of also forming a bittered heart when we don't really take the time to unpack that and really face what God is doing there. And so, like I said, um, with that, what we need to know is, are we taking time to be present to what Jesus is doing? Are we, being, are we taking time uh, to invite others in to sit with us? That as, are we taking time to abide in him? Are we taking time to be present to him? As you engage with world, as you engage with real world, like the pain and suffering, there's going to be things that rub off on us. I had a professor at Biola. Uh, I, I studied there. I did an intercultural studies minor, and he would always ask the questions, "Where is your heart?" Like he would kind of ask it with that inflection too. "Where's your heart?" You tell him how you're doing, what's going on, and he would just ask answer that question. And we kind of make fun of him. We would say like, "Ah, you know," like even now as I'm saying it, kind of like mocking it a little bit. But the reality is. I didn't understand at the time that is a wonderful question, that that's a question we need to be asking as we encounter pain, as we encounter suffering, as we encounter all these things. Where is my heart? To take time to stop, and that, might, that means practicing silence. It means practicing solitude. It means practicing Sabbath. It means potentially going to receive, going to a therapist, inner healing prayer, spiritual direction, to stop and say, where is my heart? God, what are you up to? And scripture even shows us within like Psalm 139, we're reminded like, Lord, show me my heart, reveal in me, show me my ways, help me to understand myself. Because oftentimes, I know for me, I don't even know what's going on sometimes. Like I need help to even know what's going on in my heart. 
our tendency is to push past pain. Our tendency is, like I said earlier, say, uh, you know, it is what it is. Let's just wait for 2021. Maybe it'll be better. And just to, to push past that. But rather, I believe the invitation is to be honest and open with that pain, to, to press into it. For, for Naomi to rightly say, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because I'm bitter. The Lord Almighty has, has not dealt well with me. I, I have lost my husband. I've lost my sons. I am nothing now within this culture. That's a process that we need to be able to go through to, for me to say, I had plans to travel. I was expecting more out of this year. I don't know what's going on. I lost my job. I, to be able to express those things, to, to put words to them, but then going back to the, the, the story we find ourselves and how God operates, we need to be able to, to uh, sit with an open heart, to have a posture of openness towards God, to say, but God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm here. Have your way with me. I don't know what you're doing in this pain, um, but I want to know what you're doing in me, what you might be birthing in me through this. And the thing that's hard for me sometimes, but I'm very thankful for in retrospect, is that God is very patient, that his timeline is not my timeline, that I might put my own spiritual growth into a box of like, all right, I'm going to, you know, put three months on figuring out my entire interior life. I'm going to know my emotions, three months, and I'll move on to the next thing, and what's, ah, and then we're going to spend time studying the major prophets, and then we'll get that done. No, the invitation throughout all of this, throughout our entire life, is just to, to stop and be with Jesus, that he's inviting us to a lifelong um, faithful following of him. He's inviting us to become like him over our lifetime, and that's good news because uh, for myself, I, you know, with that kind of timeline, I would, I couldn't do it. So that's, it's, it's hard, but it's good news. And in that too, a, a helpful thing to remember is that we have one another in this. And community might look different in a season like now, but we still have community. And, and just sort of a, from my experience, if someone invites you in to, to listen to this, to mourn with them, my, it, my encouragement is just to sit and listen. Yeah, there, there are times where we, we do speak, we speak the reality of we reminded one another of the story, we reminded one another of where we are, but we also have the amazing opportunity just to sit and listen to this person, to pray for them, to ask the Holy Spirit, God, what, what might you want to, to have me say to this person? How might I encourage them? And maybe that's just being with them and listening and not saying anything at all. But that's something with that too, is that God desires to meet with us so let's be present to him. And God desires to sometimes do that through, through one another. So let's be open to that as well, just to be there for one another. When we misunderstand how God operates in the world, we are at danger of forming a hardened heart, a bitter heart as we encounter the suffering in this life. When we begin to slowly understand that God is wise, that he is just, that he will accomplish all things. I look forward to a day when there will be no sin, no suffering, no pain. As I encounter these things, I can be grounded and rooted in something. I can know that he is still good. When I understand, when I don't understand the story I find myself in, I might be um, blown this way and that. But when I understand the story a bit more of where I am, I'm rooted in something. I have ground to stand on to begin to understand what is going on, what in the past, what might be going on now, and hope for the future and finally, when I begin to slowly unpack what's going on inside of me, when I, when I face that and I slowly understand my interior life, I can face 
maybe that's looking at my family of origin. Maybe that's looking at things that have happened to me. I can understand that so that I can be present to what God is doing and open to God making me more like Jesus. Band, you can join me up here. Praise God that in this whole process, that while we still have breath in our lungs, there is hope for us to have a softened heart. That while there is breath in our lungs, while we still have today, feeling uh, whatever it is, the suffering we carry, the bitterness we have, as hard as a heart can be, God can still soften that. God is still able to bring healing to our hardened hearts. But it takes us being willing to turn to him. It takes us being willing to, to cast ourselves upon him, to be present to him and what he might be up to. But he is a good God. He's able to soften those things. So my encouragement to you this, this evening, I almost said this morning, it's just habit, I guess. Um, my encouragement to you is maybe in those three sort of misunderstandings, maybe you might resonate with like, yeah, I am. I've really had a hard time understanding God. What do you, how can I trust you? What are you doing, God? And that's a totally okay place to be. That's the reality of where we are at times. Maybe it's not knowing anything about this, this God and what he's been up to in the past and in the present and the future. Maybe it's just simply taking the time to, to start to learn the story. And, and I think for a lot of us, I, I think for myself, maybe we're just, we're just tired. We're just feeling bitter and hardened and we don't understand our own emotions and we just need someone to pray for us someone to listen to us. We just need Jesus to meet with us. My encouragement to you is, is to turn your eyes upon Jesus this evening, that if you are in that place, to turn to him, trusting that he can bring you healing so that as we turn our eyes to Jesus, we might be able to see transformation in our hearts so that we too can pray like Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there is no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in, my, in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. We thank you that you are kind, that as hardened as our hearts are, you can bring healing. So I pray, have your way with us. Soften our hearts so that we can understand more of what you're up to, how you're operating, that we can understand more of your plans and purposes within our midst and for this creation, and that we might understand how you are shaping us to become more like you so that we might partner with you in inviting others to know you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.